Welcome to the Med Faber Show, where the focus is on helping you grow and preserve your wealth. Join us as we discuss the craft of investing and uncover new and profitable ideas, all to help you grow wealthier and wiser. Better investing starts here. Matt Faber is the co-founder and chief investment officer at Cambria Investment Management. Due to industry regulations, he will not discuss any of Cambria's funds on this podcast. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Cambria Investment Management or its affiliates. For more information, visit cambriainvestments.com. Welcome, podcast listeners. Today, we have another episode in our podcast founder series, where we invite kick-ass entrepreneurs to chat about their experiences from the front lines of starting a company. We cover everything from newly minted startups still struggling to make it out of their garage, all the way to the elusive unicorns that are either transforming traditional business sectors with innovative ideas or creating entirely new ones through cutting edge technologies. Either way, the result will be total catastrophic failure and bankruptcy or hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue and a valuation worth north of a billion dollars. Listen in to hear the tales of blood, sweat, and tears as these founders try to change the world. As a disclosure reminder, I've invested in most, if not all of these startups, and will look to invest more as they continue their startup journey. This episode is brought to you by 10 East. Longtime listeners know I've invested in private markets quite a bit myself, but with access to these markets broadening, it can be hard to know where to find vetted high quality offerings. That's where 10 East comes in. 10 East is a platform where qualified investors can co-invest on a deal-by-deal basis across private equity, private credit, real estate, venture, and other one-off opportunities, typically unavailable through traditional channels. They're founded and led by Michael LaFell, who spent his early career building Davidson Kempner and who invests material personal capital in every offering they bring to the platform, aligning interests with 10 East members who co-invest at their discretion. Join numerous founders, executives, and portfolio managers from leading investment firms who use 10 East to diversify their personal portfolios. Inquire for membership at 10east.co. That's the number 10, east.co. Please enjoy the next episode in our founder series. We got another awesome show for you today. Our guests founded their startup in 2016, and their company tackles the age-old problem of sending thoughtful, personalized gifts. They do this by making gifting easy and convenient using technology to deliver great gifts tailored to individual recipient preferences. In today's episode, we discuss the origin story behind EvaBot and the humble beginnings where the founders delivered all the first packages on foot. We then dive into gift giving, why it's valuable, and why EvaBot is bringing to the table to make the experience better and more efficient. We cover building on customer feedback and the important role bots and technology play in making EvaBot so unique, as well as product market fit and the verticals that have been most receptive this far. Hint, real estate and investment people, you better listen in. Make sure you stay tuned to the end of the episode, please, where founders make an incredible offer to send you a personalized box for free. Please enjoy this episode with EvaBot co-founders Rabi Gupta and Satwick Saxena. Welcome to the show, Robbie and Satwick. Thank you, Mev. It's great to be here. Same here. Great to be on the podcast. Great to have you guys live from the Bay Area. This is a, a triple episode. So we got you guys dialing in from different but relatively close locations. It's great to meet virtually. I've known you guys for a little while. I want to hear first, let's let's talk about your company, EvaBot. What is it? So EvaBot is basically a gifting assistant. And what it does is it makes it really, really easy for businesses to send gifts to their clients or to their employees. But what it essentially does is it it 
removes the, the friction of understanding the preferences of the gift recipient and the whole awkwardness which goes with it. When you want to send a gift to your client and you don't know what they would prefer, it's a very hard conversation. So what Eva essentially does is it makes it really, really easy for you to send gift while it collects all of the data, the preferences from the gift recipient without making the whole thing awkward. And then Eva sends a surprise gift which matches the taste of the recipient. So it's funny you mentioned awkward and I put in that same category unwanted because we are a professional asset manager and we have a lot of service providers. And so usually around Christmas time every year, we get a just absolute avalanche of sugar. So, I mean, it's 19 different iterations of chocolate, another 20 iterations of cookies and gift baskets. It's odd enough that they all come at the same time, but it also, I feel like in 2020, the vast majority of the people in our office either don't want to eat those or want to eat them, but really don't want to eat them. I mean, they don't want them in the office. And so it creates this really strange situation where not only can I not name who sent them, but I attach almost a negative connotation with getting all of these gifts, including not last year, the year prior, we got like a four foot chocolate Eiffel Tower, which meanwhile was kind of awesome, but I still can't even remember who sent it. So the, the process is a little odd. The only thing that I still give a little positive to that process is the surprise and delight factor. At least you get to open something, you don't know what it is, but then it's chocolate again. So it just doesn't matter. So talk to me about the, what was the idea origin? How'd you guys come up with this? And then I want to hear actually how it works and uh, we'll, we'll get pretty deep into the whole concept. What, uh, what, what, was, what was the idea that uh, really spawned this? We actually started this company accidentally. What happened was I had a company before this in India. We sold it off and then I first came to Silicon Valley and Satvik then later joined me. When we were here, we were finding it very, very hard to build relationships with people. Uh, and because we were immigrants, we didn't have any idea about you know people's taste, the cultural context. And I wanted to build relationship. And the whole thing was, okay, what if after my meeting, I give people gifts so that they remember me more and they help me more to build a network and then probably will start a company sometime later. When I wanted to do that, the biggest challenge was how to figure out what to gift. And then Satvik joined me later. So we were figuring out, okay, you know, I just met this guy who gave me an advice or, or met this woman uh, who is now willing to help us with our startup. And then after the meeting, I was like, let me thank him or her with something. And we thought, okay, you know, people in Bay Area, they all love their alcohol and coffee. So just let's give them alcohol and coffee. But then we realized everyone has their own coffee taste. Everyone has their own alcohol taste. So we came up with the idea where we got a new mobile number. And, and basically, we started texting these people saying that, hey, I'm Robbie's assistant. And he wishes to give you a wine or a coffee gift. What type of uh, wine do you like or what type of coffee do you like? And to our surprise, everyone was responding to that text. And we thought, like, we didn't know why they were responding. But in any case, they were giving us a lot of data. So when they gave us this information that, oh, I like Phil's coffee, you know, with milk or with bla uh, black, whatever. Uh, and then the next day, we would basically go with their coffee like freshly made coffee from the nearby coffee shop will go and gift it to the person 
and they would be amazed. And then the next question which we asked was like, what actually made you answer all those questions? And to our surprise, everyone was saying the same thing. They were saying, I never thought I was chatting with you. I thought I was chatting with a bot. And that removed all the awkwardness in the conversation. So I was very open with, with what I really liked. And that kind of triggered the idea that, oh, okay, so people are more comfortable sharing their desires with a bot than another human being. And especially in a context like this, where the other person is willing to accept a gift, but they are not willing to share a lot of details about their personal lives. So then, you know, what happened, some of these people came back to us saying, oh, that was pretty cool. Can I do this with my clients? And that's when, you know, I and Satvik discussed and, and kind of thought of making this into a company. Talk to me a little bit about how it went from idea to actual operating company. When, when, when was this and uh, what was sort of version one of the, the product look like? So this was like, we came here in 2016, early 2016, but then most of the first six, seven months were just like figuring out and doing this one and off. And then end of 2016, we got accepted into Boost VC Accelerator because Adam Draper, we gave him a wine gift and then he was like, hey, why don't you join our accelerator and and try to launch this company from here? So December 2016 is, is when we really kind of built the product and launched it. And Satvik, do you want to talk more about how we actually build the product from the idea? As Ravi mentioned, when we started off, it was just texting people from the SMS number. And at the time period when we were thinking about how to convert this into a product, that was around the, the time F8, the Facebook event happened, and bots were all the craze there. And that's the moment it struck us that this is actually a perfect use case for a chatbot. And this actually solves a real-world problem rather than just like, esoteric solutions of for bots that we were trying. So we started building it from that as a chatbot. But in the beginning, we were still doing deliveries by hand. We initially just me and Ravi running around and making all the deliveries ourselves, which is a very interesting experience. We got a lot of feedback from people. We could talk to them directly and understand you know, what they liked about the experience, what they did not. Uh, and then we added a few more people who could deliver the gifts in the beginning. So that was like our easy, faster way of launching where we could just launch without having to figure out like all the moving parts of it in the beginning. You get the concept, you start making some foot-based deliveries. What is in the process of trying to scale this up? How do you acquire the products to then include? How is the technology stack built out? What's the whole process of getting getting this company up and running? Yeah, so we have like really iterated based on the feedback and and also from day one we were resource constrained so the whole idea was you know how can we automate this process so the first thing was of course collecting data and we knew that we cannot have a person chatting with someone to figure out the data so it had to be automated so the first version was you know the chat was automated and then we collected the data but the deliveries and the selection was mostly man-made the second step was actually after we have figured out the preferences, how do we match them to physical products which we can ship? Because what happened was, you know, in December, actually December 2016, when we still doing deliveries by hand, we realized that people are sending gifts to different states. Gifting is not a product where you are just gifting to your friends in the same city or same state. So we had to solve that problem. So we knew that we had to go from hand deliveries to shipping, drop shipping. And once we had to do that, we also had to figure out, okay, now what product should we put in? Because 
giving a coffee or a wine from a local you know coffee shop or a, or a safe way is is much easier but actually sending a physical gift in a box that is also you know a surprise and delight is very hard so we came up with the idea that you know let's build our own partnerships with local vendors or local shops and that way we can kind of create a distribution channel for them and people who are receiving these products will like it more because it's probably something which they haven't tried before so gifts become a surprise but also an opportunity to discover a new product and once we realized that that we could do that there were so many new direct to consumer companies new products coming out in the market which all needed a lot of attention or marketing and we kind of created this solution where on one hand we understand the preferences of the gift recipients through an automated chatbot and on the other hand we match those preferences with surprise gift from local new artisanal products or brands and that kind of felt like a very good match now uh, once we tried it out people loved it and then you know we started expanding on it i i've been through the experience because uh, as part of my due diligence when i invested in your company robby made the very generous offer that hey we'll send you a free box so i said okay i went through the chat process which was pretty cool I was very honest about it and then voila i don't know a week or two later however long it was a couple of days i can't remember a box shows up we open it and i do distinctly remember what was in it at least some of the stuff because one of them was wild honey sticks do you know what i'm talking about like there's a little listeners those little like plastic honey sticks you chew on cuz my son loves them more than anything he's two and a half and so you guys contributed to quite a bit of joy for my son he loves eating uh, an entire thing and, and then turning into a total terror and then you got it right. I had some coffee. Oh, God, what? There was something else. What was it? Oh, yeah. There was like a, a smart plug for an appliance and then also a pet-focused GIF. Uh, we have a 14-year-old dog. So it, it worked out well. So the experience I thought was great. And going back to you know my interest was that so many of these subscription, particularly based box companies and ideas can just be absolute rocket ships when they find the right product market fit. The very first investment I did on, on AngelList was actually probably my most successful ever um, was a company that does it focused on women. Talk to me about where you guys found your particular niches of people who are, who are using this. What'd you learn over the past year or two on who's signing up to gift it? Is it just Aunt Greta who's sending her family AI-based uh, gifts or is it actual businesses and, and companies and uh, what types? I'll first talk about our first year, and then Satvik can take over and talk about you know how we expanded into different verticals. I mean, the first year was uh, 2017, uh, from January till November uh, 2017, which was still a very experimental phase where we were just figuring out what are the okay, we have a cool product, but who is going to use this product? So, so we started with with some companies like Silicon Valley Bank, where they were kind of using it to send gifts to their employees. So one was, okay, employee gifting use case. And then, you know, some random people came and they they sent out gifts to their clients for some reason, like thank you or a referral. So it was like more like all over the place because we didn't know who to really target. So we were just going after our friends or other startups who we thought, you know, would like to use it. Everyone who used it loved this service, but our challenge during the first year was, you know, there was not enough repeat usage of the product. So we had to figure out what are the verticals where this is like a, a constant problem and people or businesses want to 
do this on a more regular basis so we kept experimenting in the first 6 months we tried you know different verticals different use cases so we thought for sales teams uh, at the pre sales stage this could be a pretty interesting use case to kind of engage with the prospects they were talking to so we got a bunch of like cold emailing uh, there we looked at customer success teams for you know a post sale engagement especially in parts where there's a lot of onboarding and training and customers need to spend time for that and during all this experimentation one of the verticals that we got recommended by uh, some of our friends was real estate and we happened to meet mark choi from climb at one of the tech events and he was a co-founder of of climb real estate in san francisco and he saw the whole product he loved the experience and said hey why don't you come to our office we are doing a small event lots of agents will be there and just share what this is with our agents and see what feedback do you get so that event was pivotal because when we showed up there and and did the demos the agents really really loved it we got literally mobbed trying to like just do the demos there and that was the first main use case we figured out where real estate agents have this constant stream of business where they are closing stuff and they have this whole tradition of doing closing gifts and it takes time it's a complicated thing most people default to very basic stuff so we found this first product market fit there in real estate and then we like spent the next 6 months figuring out what was the best way to reach out to these uh, agents through cold emailing through you know facebook campaigns through events meetups so we started working with them and targeting that vertical so like the second half of 2017 first half of 2018 primarily went into figuring out how to scale real estate for us and then the interesting thing was because real estate is essentially people who are buying houses which is high net worth individuals and we started getting a bunch of different kind of users from there so first became mortgage because of a lot of referrals from real estate agents to mortgage agents so that started opening mortgage for us and then between mortgage and home buyers we started seeing the first you know usage and traction from wealth managers financial advisors insurance agents especially in the b2b space and now today we have real estate is, is one of our largest verticals but we are seeing now rapid growth in mortgage and uh, wealth managers part of that i imagine is because the clients tend to be you know a higher revenue generating i mean particularly with the real estate it's often a, a one time big chunk with a, the raas in my world it's it's more recurring and i imagine you know part of part of the whole concept for the listeners who are in our world in the RIA side versus even the mortgage and real estate but maybe it's the same is actually not as much just about a thanks but also client retention you know so many people in our world um i think the like success rate of of moving from generation to the younger generation it's like 80% leave but people also just think their advisors just for, for forgotten about them and so the concept of at least uh you know having that some sort of touch that you're interested it seems like an obvious use case that many just many don't do true and what we have realized is in every industry especially all these service driven industries where where it's the retention of a existing customer which matters a lot because you're getting more referrals out of your existing customers so if a customer retains that means the customer is also giving you more business 
And if the customer doesn't retain, then you lose the customer as well as all the future referrals which you are going to get. So what happens is in all these industries, which are in a way kind of related because the problem is same. The problem is, okay, you did one high value transaction with the customer. And then the challenge is you're probably never going to do any other like high worth transaction for a year at least, or in some cases, three to five years. So how do you engage with that customer during these three to five years so that number one, they send you more referrals. And number two, I mean, whenever they need your service, again, they come to you as a as a default source, not, not go to some other competitor. So 2018, you start to figure out a little bit of the target market. Walk me through the next year. Has the last year really been about just growing the business? Are you made any sort of iterations, changes in the product and approach? I know you eventually did a fundraising round. Walk us through uh, what the last year, year and a half has been like. We've raised our first round, like first real seed round in 20, December 2017 from Bloomberg Beta and some angels. That After that round, the, the whole of 2017, we were just targeting real estate agents through Facebook campaigns. And we scaled it to a really good level. Like in 2017, the whole year we did maybe like 70 to 80K in in annual sales. But 2018, you know, we were able to do around half a million. So so the whole idea that we were able to grow after raising a small seed round, you know, was, was pretty good because it was a good validation of a product market fit. But after 2018, we faced some challenges raising money because we also realized that although we were growing fast, we we had a very we didn't have a like a model which VCs love. So for example, VCs either love a subscription model or they want e-commerce in consumer space and they want SaaS in like enterprise space. And we were kind of in between. Uh, we were selling to individuals, not really businesses, but more like B2B2C. And our business model was more like e-commerce. Most of the VCs were like, we don't understand this model and, and we don't really have seen much success in gifting space. So 2018, we basically was, was a hard realization that we have to focus on profitability. 2019 was more about how do we you know, shorten our payback period from each customer, you know, figure out how do we keep our CAC in control uh, and try to focus more on LTV. So we launched a lot of things like subscription product and spent a lot of energy and, and time in, in building a very, very good product, which not just helps you send gifts, but also help you help all these businesses achieve uh, ROI. Yeah, so 2019, I think that was one of the main focuses there that we spent a lot of time with our customers to understand what is the business objectives they want solved while solving gifting for them did save them time and effort and it made you know one key aspect of their work easier and better we wanted to understand what is the value they really drive from it and what can we do in our product to to enhance that and make that eventual business goal easier and what we realized was that essentially at the end of this what agents really want any business owner really wants is a, the ability to collect more reviews and testimonials, which enhance their social proof and help them you know, stay in touch constantly to drive more referrals and retention. So like we in, in, in 2019, we added a bunch of software features in, in our product, all aimed at 
leveraging the gifting delight and our unique chat experience to enable more of these things so one small thing uh, that we do in the chat now is at the end of a chat you have the option to for eva to ask for a review on your behalf in the chat and it can give a link there for your review site and people we've seen from data that we people are like three times more likely to leave a review from our gift chat than otherwise or even after a follow up after sending a gift because it's that moment of reciprocity it's that moment when they know they have received something uh, they're going to receive something from you and we're able to leverage that to create that uh, review for you uh, for the agents uh, same thing in the way gift campaigns is a feature we enabled where instead of having to remember all these things the agent or the user could just simply upload a list with say all the birthdays of all their customers and at one shot set up campaigns for multiple years and not having to worry about it and eva will notify them you know when the next birthday is coming up the campaigns will go out that made the experience much more easier for them they don't have to manually act every time we added a very cool feature about video messages where you can add a video message uh, along with a gift and that plays out in the chat which makes it you know even more personal and makes experience even more memorable i bet people love that one yeah yeah also like we collect both days so most of i i was talking to someone who has worked in this crm space for long and he was saying that 90% of the birthdays in crm they are all empty so no one really has the birthday data so you know once we started doing this where when eva chats it also ask you for your birthdays and more than 80% of the gift recipients actually leave their birthday and once eva has collected all of these birthdays you can automatically set up birthday campaigns so so you know every gift which you are sending using eva eva is creating more opportunities with the same person like to reconnect if you send a closing gift today the next year same week eva will remind you of the house anniversary gift so these are some of the use cases which we which we you know actually built that has helped retain our customers and also improve their usage over time that's really smart i have enough trouble i mean i i feel like i need that just for my family my nieces and nephews i just i need to i need that to to send them something all right so we're turning the page on 2019 phil nadell who's wonderful who we've had on the podcast was uh, instrumental in introducing us uh, to you guys what's uh what what's where do things stand now um and where uh, where's the kind of vision as you look out to the horizon of of what um, the future looks like for EvaBot. What's the plans for the next one, three, five, ten years? Uh, that's that's not an easy question to answer, but take your time. We we're here. We got lots of time. Right, right. So yeah, I mean, of course, every year it's a new challenge. Twenty eighteen, one when we actually, as I said, we faced challenge in in raising money. So we started focusing more on the real business, real metrics, so that we can make it a profitable uh, business. and then when the time is right we can raise more money to grow faster the thing which delights us is there are customers who have received like 5 to 10 gifts from eva uh, on a repeat basis and they still love interacting with eva so there were a lot of thoughts about oh this is just like one time exciting thing and then it will die off it never really happened and that is the most exciting thing for us that we have built something which is not like one time gifting every time someone interacts with eva they know that they are going to get a new gift new product they are going to discover something new 
So we have been able to manage that expectation from both the gift senders side, which is say gifter and, and the giftees side, where even if they receive multiple gifts, they'll love it every time because we have created this network of amazing vendors or partners who build amazing products. And Eva kind of acts as this great channel of discovering products. So if you look into the future, I mean, even three to five years, there are some fundamental things which are not going to change. For example, every business still would need to do more to build better relationships with their customers, uh, especially in today's era when everything is digitized and everyone is sending out those text messages, those emails. So you need something physical to help you take it to the next step. So we are in this era where, you know, even MailChimp is now trying to send mm -hmm. out direct mailers and uh, not just email campaigns because they know that that is going to be the future where people are so, so bored with like all the digital conversations that they want something physical. Uh, so this, we, we believe that we'll be part of that big transition. And the other thing that, you know, the, the core idea of Eva, people still love it. And even in future, no matter what happens, you're always going to love receiving new products or discovering new products which are coming out in the market. So if we combine these two things, I believe we have a great future. We are just going a bit slowly in terms of you know, verticals. We don't intend to kind of target all the verticals all at once because it's very hard to do. So we are just taking you know, an approach where we are going vertical after verticals, but we believe that we will be a, a mass product you know, in three to five years down the line. What's the technology sort of two parts of this, the technology development, the chatbot, I assume is, is mostly built, but what's the process of adding new tech features that are on your mind or you're brainstorming about? And in, in a similar vein is, you know, I'd love to hear about the product acquisition. Do you have just like, is it, is it Robbie and Satwick just wandering around the mission and uh, different places looking for products? Like, how do you, I saw you got some Hibiki on the website, great Japanese whiskey. How do you guys go about finding, uh, you know, interesting new products? So tackle each one as you may, building out the tech stack, future features, and then two, how do you guys find all these great products? So I can talk more about like how we think about the product and then Satwick can talk more about how we actually find uh, all these amazing products. So, so we, we really have three products. I mean, not just one product. One is, of course, the chatbot. And although the chatbot seems very simple, I mean, there's a complex technology behind it because it is very customizable. It knows when to ask for address. It knows when not to ask for, for address. It knows a lot of things. It knows that you are receiving a second gift or a third gift, and you can do easy settings. For example, if you don't want alcohol question to be asked to your customers, you can just click one button and, and it's done. So, so there are things like that which we have really thought about in the chatbot itself. But now what happens after we collect all of this chat data is very important. Because if there is a human being who is reading all the chats and then kind of figuring out the gift, it's going to be very, very hard. Once the data is collected, you know, what happens is we have an internal recommendation engine. Uh, now that how that recommendation engine works is, of course, one of the data is preferences you know, what, what do you really like? And the second data is, you know, are you allergic to something or you, you don't want something? And then, you know, what state you are in. And the other in interesting thing which we do is every time a gift is sent, there's a feedback loop. So we ask the gift recipient how they rate each product which they have received. And we get 20% gift recipients to actually rate the products. 
So now what happens is all of this data is now fed back to our recommendation engine, which automatically recommends what is the best gift based on the price point, based on the preferences, the city, the weather in that city, and also how people have rated the product in the past. So all of this data then kind of enables us to automatically pick the right gift box because as you know every gift box has more than two products so all of this all of this information is now fed back into the system to kind of generate the right gift boxes and then you know whether this gift box is going to go in a branded gift box with a branded handwritten note all of this technology is built in so that you know we we never mess up with gifts because if we send one wrong gift, that means you know we actually sent out two wrong gifts. Someone else is receiving something else. So we have to be really careful about how we use this technology to personalize gift. And at scale, it can only be done if it's done through technology, not manually. Now, the third piece of this is the vendor management system. So, so we, we do have a dashboard for our vendor partners as well, where they can see how their products are doing, how people are rating their products, in which cities their product is sold more or rated high. All of this data then helps them understand more about their product. So, so we are really building this suite of products, which is not just about the gift sender, which is also about how people receive and rate the products, how our vendors interact with our system, and then kind of tries to keep everything together and bring everyone together to make a, a holistic solution. Satvik, you want to talk about how we go after choosing the vendors and partners? So when we started, it was, as you mentioned, like it was in the beginning, it was just me and Ravi, you know, checking out different products, things we knew, and we started like that. But as we started sending out more gifts, one channel we tapped was we asked our customers things that they would recommend or things that they've used in the past that they loved. And we started getting a lot of recommendations from our customers itself, which opened up like new products for us. So that was like one of the first channels to go look at interesting products and figure out which ones are a good fit. After that, as we scaled our operations, we added a specialized person on our team, Najla, who leads the, our whole procurement effort. And what she does is she looks at you know different trends from our data as well as you know product trends in in the in, in the different categories we are for example smart home stuff is a very popular category and, and the interest in that category is growing exponentially so then she will look at you know what are the new products coming in that area reach out to those companies what are the unique products available there what are something just different not necessarily a mass market brand and then work with them test out the product that's the best part about our platform that we can very quickly do a test run and see what the feedback is from recipients uh, on these products. And in that iterative way, we are able to keep finding a new product and then testing out which ones make sense, which ones uh, are getting great ratings, especially for different use cases. So something which may make a great gift as say a birthday gift may not necessarily make a great gift as a referral gift or as a closing gift. Uh, so we're able to parse this data not just at a basic product level, but also mapped to different use cases. So I imagine you guys have sent out probably thousands of boxes at this point, probably not on foot all anymore. If you could like find like your, your biggest power user, if there's someone who's just like, oh my God, I'm, I'm an EvaBot evangelist. Is it sort of that real estate 
segment? Is it something else or is it a company? Is it an entire organization? What's uh, What's been the kind of the most extreme product market fit you guys have seen? We actually have sent out more than 35,000 gifts till date. So yeah, <laughs> we cannot definitely do it uh, on foot. Every type of customer. So for example, there are companies, our largest customer is a financial company, which does more than $100,000 worth of gifting every year with us. And they have been with us since the start. But then we, the type of customer which we have in real estate, they are either like large teams or they are like independent team of four or five people. The, their volume in terms of dollar amount will not be as big as, say, a, a large financial company, but it's still very significant. And, and also in terms of uh, the usage, it's, it's very heavy usage. So, so most of the brokerages we have, they use us like that. And then even in like mortgage companies, we have either independent loan officers using it individually. We see a lot of land and expand, which happens with our product. So, for example, a company like Unitas Mortgage or Guild Mortgage, now one or two of their loan officers started using the product. And now we see more than 40, 50 you know, loan officers using the product. So we, we definitely see a virality in the product. And we do have great referral programs where people can refer Eva to their friends and they get an opportunity to test out the product by receiving a free gift. So those things really work well. And as you ask, like we do see all different type of companies, like large companies, small companies, teams, individuals, all of them are using the product. But mostly it's it's either individual uh, brokerages or small teams. In terms of volume, they they are our biggest customer. As an example of like uh, what you uh, mentioned, like a extreme product market fit. So the financial company Ravi mentioned, like their one of their favorite use cases to, is to generate referrals and collect testimonials so that company has been using us for almost now almost two years and they've like collected close to i think two two thousand reviews on trust pilot and the way they work is they work with a lot of independent mortgage agents who refer them business so collecting reviews which helps them you know land very high in search results and then you know getting those agents to refer more and more other mortgage agents to that company helps them directly grow so that referral plus collecting testimonials is a very, very powerful use case that they leverage. Another very popular use case which we see across teams is the birthday gift campaigns. So both for real estate agents, mortgage agents, and some of our early wealth manager customers, that's a very popular use case where they can just upload the entire list. Or if they've not, they don't have the list, then once they send the first gift to their customer, we automatically capture the birthdays. And they can just enable a birthday gift uh, at one click. So these two are like very, very popular use cases. I'm not kidding when I say I'm going to start doing that for my family. Remind me, so the, the, what's the price points? I assume people can customize it. But is it people say, look, I want to set a max. I want to set a specific price target. How's that work? Yeah, I mean, that is one of the one of the key things about Eva. Because, I mean, even when we were working with wealth managers, we saw that budget is is kind of their biggest constraint. So I mean, they have regulations they have to follow to make sure that every gift is within a limit. And that's why using EVA is so simple because you can set a, a price point from $30 up to $1,000, anything which you want. So that makes it really, really easy for you to kind of send gift because the only constraint you have in your mind is the price point. You don't have to worry about what is going to go in that price point because we will take care of what happens after that. We have three 
actually three different plans which uh, our customers choose from. One is the basic plan where they just buy gift credits upfront, say minimum $200 worth of gift credits, and then they use those credits to send gifts, but they don't get access to any premium features. The other is premium account where you pay a monthly subscription fee and then you get access to all of our premium features, including integrations with your CRM, the campaigns, the birthday campaigns, the customer data collection, and the branded gift boxes and branded handwritten notes. The Plus plan. free shipping. Yeah. The, the fascinating idea that you guys mentioned about if you're, say, a real estate person or whomever, and the ability to get a testimonial for whatever you call it, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 25 bucks, I don't know. Obviously, people are more, much more likely to leave one after realizing they're getting a free gift. And that, that's a brilliant way to acquire reviews. Secondary, have you guys thought of this? Maybe you've tried it, maybe you haven't. But also as, as a lead gen for the underlying person where they say, all right, I'm going to send my client, Jim, a gift. And either instead or in addition to this gift, at some point you can be like, hey, Jim, by the way, if you like uh, me as a, as a broker, tell you what, you can send a free gift to a friend who then you would acquire the lead. He would be able to acquire the lead gen so he would pay for it and be able to expand his potential customers. Is anyone experimenting with that? Is that something you guys think about? So yeah, our referral program is is like one of, I mean, not the biggest, but still like one of the major ways in which we are growing right now. And we recently also launched a, another referral program only for select few customers where if they refer another customer within their company and you know the customer signs up and then you know kind of subscribe to our service, then they get $200 worth of a gift card, like real cash. I was actually saying it where the broker sends his client a gift and then says, hey, client, by the way, if you know anyone else that would like my service as the broker because you love me so much, tell you what, you can send them a free gift and I'll pay for it. And then he would then acquire a new lead for whatever, 50 bucks. But in that world, the probably value of a lead is in the thousands of dollars. So they would probably, in many ways, get um, high quality leads. So that's a, that's a very cool idea. So one thing that we're building, this is in the works actually, is exactly what you mentioned. Just as we have a whole workflow towards uh, collecting reviews, is building a workflow like this for collecting uh, referrals and leads, where, say, if you've set up a campaign, you've sent a birthday gift to this customer, in this chat, Eva can ask and say, hey, do you have you know, somebody in mind? It, Eva will also give them some talking points. Hey, these are, you know, I closed this much business in the last you know, six months. This is some great thing I did. And by the way, if you have somebody in mind, you can just leave their details here. Or if you want me to follow up later, just let me know and I'll follow up later. And one of the options there is, as you mentioned, that I'll send them a gift on your behalf but I think what the way you put it is even better. They can send a gift directly to their friend. And what, what we will do is not only will the gift go in, say, the branded box of that agent, but it could also include some marketing materials or some more information about that agent in that gift box along with the gift itself. Yeah, because, I mean, that to me seems like such a viral way to do it, you know, whereas we uh, jokingly have told our listeners we we tried a direct mail campaign once where we sent out thousands of postcards to our local neighborhood just being like hey we're we're local nearby just if you ever want to say hi 
and got uh, only one response, which was someone who mailed the card back and said, don't ever contact me again. But to the extent that you have these very warm leads of someone who already loves you and would like to share it, and oh, by the way, um, they're going to send them um, you know, a box of goodies. Seems like an obvious way to for the real estate agent or whomever to really build their business in a, in a way that would probably be low cost, but also have the potential for very high quality leads. It's like, you know, the, the biggest problem in our world, you know, we're, we're digital and, and quant, so we don't really do it, but a traditional financial advisor, the oldest school way of, of growing the business is asking for leads, but people hate doing it because they, it feels very salesy and icky. But if you had the ability to say, instead say, I'm not asking you to give me leads, but rather if you want to pass this along, this person will get something in the mail. That's totally different than in anyway. <laughs> uh, that's that's your that's your brainstorm for the day from Meb. I mean, we are going to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's a very cool idea. I think we are going to implement it the way you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right. This is great, guys. What's um what's what's been some of the, the big challenges? Uh, you know, I know you have a partially remote team. I see you have an office in Canada. Is that right, or opening one? Yeah. So uh, we have a fully remote team. We all like either work from home or from co-working spaces. The warehouse we have is in Fremont. We are going to maybe open another facility or warehouse in Tracy, California soon. It's still in, in the works. But yeah, we intend to kind of build a company which is uh, which has remote employees because, I mean, we kind of feel very comfortable working in this structure. Uh, the challenges which we have faced, of course, you know, as I told you, we are not from here. We immigrated like just a couple of years ago without any network or support. So the initial, you know, first two years were very challenging uh, in terms of, okay, we had a had a cool idea and then, you know, kind of build this product. But we, it was like really, really hard to, to raise our first round. And then also we intend to build this as a VC-backed company mostly because we want to grow this into a global product. But right now, we are also kind of managing expectations between, okay, raising a large round versus first becoming financially independent and then uh, raising the round so that uh, we are in control of what we are building. So those are some of the things where we have faced some challenges. But overall, it has been it has been a very good journey, mostly because we, we love what we are doing and we see a lot of love from our customers. Uh, and the existing investors, which we have, they are like extremely supportive, including like we have Roy from Bloomberg Beta, Charles from Precursor Ventures. They're extremely supportive. And like Phil and you guys, the whole philosophy of, you know, building a profitable company, it kind of runs in, you know, all of our investors. And that is what we, you know, love. And, and that's why we have been able to uh, achieve what we have been, what we have achieved till now. That's a good segue. I'd love to hear a little more about y'all's uh, origin story. Uh, when did you guys meet? And I know uh, you worked together on a, a prior company to uh, starting EvaBot. Let's hear it. We are four co-founders. Two of us are here. Two of us are in uh, Calgary, Canada. All four of us, we have known each other for more than 15 years, actually. We went to the same college. Three of us went to the same college. Our fourth co-founder, I worked with him in my last startup. That's how we know him. And then we were actually, we built a social TV company back in India, which was more like Twitter before Twitter was popular in India, uh, only for TV channels. So yeah, we built this company and then I sold the company. Then we, we thought, okay, what, what should we do next? So when I came here, we had two, three different products. Uh, one was basically, you know, a, a video sharing app. 
and then we realized oh there's snap there's facebook there, there are so many video apps no one is going to like look at our video app uh, it was more like tiktok but way before tiktok was popular so so we did that but but in the in the process of doing that we kind of you know accidentally got this idea and then it started working when it started working i went back to my same old team in india and we all discussed and everyone was like oh like let's do it this time let's build a global product uh, that's how we again like came uh, back together to do this so we we have been building products together for more than 8 years now and then the prior company was called was i i couch yeah i love it very cool guys well look uh this has been great it's been a lot of fun talk to me a little bit about this startup journey having done it a few time all the agony and ecstasy of being a founder um, all the struggles you know we we can sympathize dealing with those pesky vcs i always love telling people it's it's like the writing business where you talk about jk rowling about how many publishers turned her down before writing harry potter i think airbnb was turned down by like it was either 50 or 60 vcs so i always uh, i always smile at that any particular resources or ideas, people, books, websites that have been particularly useful to you guys on your journey? Any uh, philosophies, anything in general that's been uh, particularly helpful uh, as you guys have, have kind of built this? When we started back in India, it was 2010. Uh, and at that time, you know, intro- internet was just getting popular and internet startups were just coming up. And like India investments were really, really hard. So so we saw some challenge during that time, but but we were eventually able to raise from some uh, good India investors and then again, like built a profitable company before selling it off. And when we when we came here, the advantage which we I always had was, you know, we were a great team. It's very hard to build anything without without a great team. So number one advice is like, have co-founders and have co-founders with complementary skills. So for example, we were able to build this company, which is a combination of not just a tech product, but also a lot of operations and a lot of things that goes behind the scenes. And because Akshay had a lot of experience with operations and finance, he was able to manage that. Ashish was doing the whole tech stuff. I was looking at the product and Satvik was figuring out how to grow the company. So we all had complementary skills and and that made it really, really easy in a way, like, (laughs) I mean, comparatively, not like really easy, but but it was easier for us to to at least build and test the product. And that is very important, I think, in, in any startup, because you might have to try multiple products, multiple approaches. And during all of this time, you know, it might take one year, two years, three years, but during all of this time, you need to keep it together. And that is where I think having great co-founders help. Otherwise, it's just going to be very, very hard. Uh, especially in our early days when we were building the product, Hooked was a book that we constantly kind of referred back to. The way, you know, Neer has outlined the the behavior loops, the the internal and external triggers, you know, for product design. That is something we we kind of like you know that was the basis to not just design the the product how it works but also like how are we what is the pricing model what is the business model for the company is it driven more by external you know inputs or more by internal triggers that was a great book zero to one is still I think one of both of our favorite book to kind of you know on the, on a whole startup philosophy and how do you go against incumbents and 
and disruption. So like those are two very books you've kind of leveraged a lot. Great. We'll add links in the show notes. Read both of those uh, in in agree. Where do people find out more? If the uh, the listeners want to check out your service, what you guys are up to, what's the best places? Yeah. So our website is evabot.ai. And we we do have a special offer also for your listeners. If you go to evabot.ai forward slash referral forward slash the Mef Faber show, if you go to this link, you will be able to chat with Eva to get your free gift. And then there will be a special offer uh, if you subscribe. Oh, man. I love it, guys. Well, I, I appreciate that. Listeners, you guys better make sure you have your uh, your servers up and humming because uh, you're definitely going to get a few uh, a few subscribers there. Uh, make sure you send them the honey. That was my favorite. What's been the most highly reviewed product? Is it one of the smart smart home devices or what? What is there anything that people are just like, oh, my God, this is this is the bomb. Yeah. Yeah. So in every category, we have uh, popular products, right? Because you might receive honey, but someone who doesn't like uh, sweets will not get honey. So, so there is no like generic great product, but in every category we have amazing products. For example, in coffee, Ritual is kind of number one. I mean, Ritual yeah. coffee roasters has been number one since like I guess since two years. The start. Yeah. Are they? Uh, is that a Bay Area roaster? Yeah, yeah, they are. Okay. Yeah, we we we. I love that. That was great. And in smart home, Satvik, what is like? What do we have as a number yes. one product? Smart home. In, in smart home, the smart plugs are, are really, really popular because of how versatile uh, they are. One product which is also extremely popular in the life cell category is Airwana wine aerator, automatic wine aerator that we have. Mm. Great product if you are a wine enthusiast, uh, especially with red wines. Very, very popular thing. Also that tripod, that, that tripod kind of blew up. We got this tripod. It's all the, it's all the influencers out there. That's why. <laughs> Yeah, that's that that has blown up. We did um we actually did a wine tasting at my um family's holiday a couple years ago and did a pre and post aerator and it was astonishingly universal that people well probably because we were aerating some garbage wine, I don't know. Um but everyone lo- everyone preferred the wine post aeration than than pre. So uh so it sounds like it works. All right, one more time the link. Where do where do people go to check out the uh the, the generous gifts? Evabot.ai forward slash referral, forward slash the Mev Faber show. Awesome, guys. Rabbi Satwick, thanks so much for taking the time today. Join no, us. Thank you. thank you so much for having us. Fun. Podcast listeners, we will add the links to the show notes, mevfaber.com forward slash podcast. Take them up on their gift. I promise you guys will love it. Um, leave a review on iTunes, Breaker, anywhere good podcasts are found. Thanks for listening, friends, and good investing. Good investing.